That's a solid list. We made, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We got a great list, my friend. Now <laughs> what do we do with it? <laughs> uh, we can tell the world. Yeah, we, we can tell the world. Process yeah. of elimination. <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top Fives with Don Sill. I'm your host, Don Sill, and we got another great show in store for you today. It's the top five comedy duos of all time. Yes, comedy teams. You know, straight man, funny man, magic happens. And joining me today is the very hilarious Rich Walker. Rich is a funny stand-up comedian, but also has a history of being in comedy teams. Have you ever seen him do Who's on First? You're the manager's baseball team. Yes. You claim to know all the baseball sure players. Sure, I do. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellow playing first. Who? The guy in first base. Who? The first base. Who? The fellow playing first. <laughs> Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's who's name. Yes. Well, then tell me. That's it. That's who. Yes. <laughs> so please, everybody, subscribe, like, and comment below. We want to know what you're thinking what your thoughts are, what, if you agree with us or disagree, and what your top five is. Let us know. But without further ado, let's get right to it. Me and Rich Walker with the top five comedy duos of all time. All right, Rich Walker, Long Island's own, very funny guy. How you doing, my friend? I am here. How are you? Doing Thanks good, for man. Me on. Yeah, this is awesome, man. I, I always love talking comedy with you. You obviously you teach a class, uh, stand up university, and and but you also are a just a like an encyclopedia of comedic knowledge, and uh, it's always a blast talking to you because I'm I'm like a, a fellow comedy nerd as well, and yeah, uh, yeah it's always good talking to somebody who kind of knows more more than me. Um, well, <laughs> it depends on what. Like you knew that was the your backdrop is the basement of the Wayne's World. Right. I didn't know. <laughs> and I watch all the commercials. See, that's why I, I got I got one on you there. There you go. Um, today's top five By is... Way, a great comedy team. They are, yes. Wayne and Garth. Swing! Swing! <laughs> this is the uh, top five comedy teams. Uh, comedy duos uh, basically go back to the beginnings of of comedy like the vaudevillian days it was back then it was relatively normal it's not really normal now but back then it was very normal to have a comedy team yeah in vaudeville there was a lot of comedy teams as a matter of fact i'm sure we're going to go into this but like the who's on first was done by a lot of comedy teams and it started out as you probably know as a husband and wife who did it. And I don't know their names. I forgot their names. But they were another comedy team. But it makes kind of sense. The wife didn't understand baseball and he right. was explaining it. And then I had heard that it was Abin Costello actually um, got somebody to write because it wasn't really stealing back then. It's They all did their own versions of it. Right. And they but they were the first to pay a guy 50 bucks to actually sit down and write every bass in there. You know what I mean? So, and they're like, I don't know how the other ones were, but I mean, they kind of, they mastered it, right? What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I am not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. A lot of people don't know that, uh, that they didn't write that bit, that that bit, nobody, I don't, until now, you saying it was a husband and wife team. I didn't think anybody knew who actually wrote it. Like, I just thought it was one of those kind of myths that just kind of floated around and yeah. each team took it, added to it. And then finally, Abbott Costello, like you said, they just, they owned it. They, no one could do it better than them. Yes. Tamara throws the ball and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's like you give a little thing about it, uh, about a team and what's very important. There has to be somebody has to be the straight man. And that's very difficult because there's a lot of egos, especially that's why you don't see it a lot anymore. And not only that, you have to split the money. So, you know, when you're first starting out and you're going to get a hundred bucks, to drive to Philadelphia, you're getting 50 bucks. 
Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, it's very, very, very hard. You know, back then, I don't know. I think that the performers were paid a lot more. You know, if you're if you're rationing it out with today's pricing, because um, uh, you're not making it today. I, I know that, so it's it's hard to be be a team. Um, so, but I was in Brooklyn. I was doing a show once in Brooklyn, and here's another thing. So Monty and I, we would he would take a punchline, I would take a punchline. He would take a punchline, and the jokes weren't really going over that good. And then I just by chance were working with a comedy team in Brooklyn, and I don't remember their names. One was like the Jerry Lewis, one was Dean Martin. They were older guys, and they've been around a lot, very polished, and they did everything. They did impressions, they did this, this. And I said that me and this other guy do these two wacky cowboys, and we're having a problem, and they both go like this, stop. You can't have two wacky cowboys, only one. The other one's got to be, you know, the catalyst, the straight man. Right, yeah. But that's when Rodeo Ricky was really born. And Rodeo Ricky wasn't stupid. Like, he would just have his own way of getting to the the answer. Like, one of the jokes, old vaudeville jokes, as a matter of fact, was, um, he'll go, uh, how you doing? I'm like, not, it was always not good. I'm not doing good. And, you know, I was in that porta potty this morning. I accidentally dropped $5 right in the, in the hole. And he goes, well, what did you do? I said, I threw $10 right down there after. And he said, why would you do that? I said, I ain't going down there for $5. <laughs> you know. Nice. So, but you see, he's not unintelligent. It's not stupid. You know, Gracie Allen, Burns and Allen. And uh, yes. Are they on your list? They're on my list. Yeah. She was no dope. I mean, she was really brilliantly smart. And there's a joke. She was out to dinner with Jack Benny, his wife, um, George and her. And they said, Gracie, you never you never tell jokes in public. You never want give us a joke. And she goes, nah, I don't I don't like you know, at the table when comics are together, they tell jokes. She goes, nah. And uh, they go, come on, give one. And she goes, Two Irishmen walk out of a bar, and they they all just stared at her, and they're like, "That is like really funny, you know." Um, so, but brilliant, yeah. It's just really clever, you know. And that's the thing too. You you talk about the straight man. A, a lot of people don't. To me, the straight man is almost like defense on a good team. People yeah. underestimate how important the defense is. And, and how the defense wins the games, right? And it's the yeah. same thing with the straight man. W without a great straight man, the, the, the comedy will fall flat because there's nobody to bounce it off of. There's nobody to react with that straight man type of vibe. And, and I think, and we'll get to all of these guys, but I think the greatest straight man of all time has to be Bud Abbott. Abbott yeah. was probably the greatest straight man of all time uh, and yeah. set the standard. Yeah. And that's really hard to follow him. You know that was a 60-40 split, right? Uh, he got 60% of the cut and Costello only got 40. Later in the years, they had a big fight, big breakup uh, over a... Um, do you know the, the story about the breakup? A little bit. I don't know much. It was over uh, a maid. And I think it was... Uh, Bud Abbott had a maid. And then... He let her go, and then Costello took her. But, you know, there's rumors, really, about the maid, you know? Right. You know <laughs> yeah, there must have been more to it, yeah. It must have been enough to have a war over, you know? Yeah, exactly. He broke up. But then when they went back together, it was agreed it would be a 50-50 split. Uh, and then the history was written. So, But, yeah, the reason why, Straitman actually got paid more money than the, the, the jokester. Right, ego. You got to do all those shows, and you know the guy that gets all the laugh, laughs get all the girls. Right, he gets all the the glory, the girls. Yeah. People uh, are, you know, it's the water cooler. That they're talking about what you know, yes, what sir. you know, um, Costello said. Yeah, right. they and want that, their pictures taken with that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it does have it. It does. It can certainly weigh. Yeah. on on the dynamic of the team and that's why probably a lot of comedy teams don't always stand the test of time right just as i what is this all about 
What's the matter with you? I'm out all day long looking around for work. Do you ever go out and look for work? Well, certainly I was Am working. I the only one that's going to do all the work around here? I was working. Uh, I was reading yeah. a comic book. Yeah, so now we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the top five. Uh, top five comedy duos of all time. This goes right. all the way back to as far as you want, all the way to modern times. Uh, which, you know, today, this, this, whoever you got in mind. I'm looking but, forward. Yeah. But let's uh, kick it off, Rich. Who's who is your your number five? How about this is a this is a comedy team, and it may be the last comedy team we've seen, especially husband and wife, Sonny and Cher. Tell me about Sonny. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yes, I, I love the Sonny and Cher show. show. Oh, I, I grew up on it. I remember when the little uh, Chaz would come running out. When, oh, when, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Chastity yeah. back then. Chastity, yes. You want to you show them uh, your shirt? You know what it says on your shirt? What's it say? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Sonny and Cher. What um, what made you pick them as your number five? Well, I had heard a rumor that today a husband and wife comedy team is a sitcom in two years because it's so unusual. And I always tell, there's one comedy team out there now. They actually took our class. Do you know the Bonavitas? I know. Claudia Bonavita and her husband, John. They're both actors by trade. She takes the comedy class, loves it. And she says, you know, I want to come back to the class and take it with John, the husband, husband, because he's an actor. And they did, they went back and forth and it was very funny. And he is the stooge husband, a little dopey, you know, for the, the character. <laughs> right, right. And it was really good. Um, again, why didn't they continue it? They, I think they do it every now and then. Um, you'll see them out there, they're Long Island comics. You know, you hate shopping. My motto is get in, get out. That's actually his motto in bed. Um, I don't know if he was that interested. I think he's more supportive of her being a comedian. You know, right. and again, he's an actor by trade. They're both actors and directors. They do a lot of the shows at the Claire Rose Playhouse and, and Patrick. But if you could ever see them, great. But Sonny and Cher, uh, Again, she was the gum-chewing, wise-cracking chair, um, and the husband was the idiot, you know? We went out on the road, and I got these sensational reviews on the road. I mean, uh, uh, Sonny Bono was fantastic in Vegas, super in New York, and, and, and dynamic in Los Angeles, and, and boring at home. <laughs> when you watch Sonny and Cher, especially back in the day, you know, when, when they were coming up, they, de they definitely had a, a good chemistry, like you said, where where Sonny, like if you do compare them to Burns and Allen, where Sonny was kind of like the Gracie a little bit and, and uh, yeah. you know, Cher was more of the the smarter one, the, the straight man in a way, but she also had her vibe was just different than anybody else's. She was An really, attitude. She, she had, had that, that attitude. Harry yeah. Carabas, I don't give a crap attitude. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I have this marvelous kind of photographic memory, which incidentally I inherited from my mother. <laughs> no, I did, I did. You know. Listen, you're the one that's always saying my mother has a fantastic memory, so what are you making a point? That's what I've said. An elephant never forgets. <laughs> okay. and, it, and like you said about egos too, when you're married and you're right. playing the, the the goofball like Sonny, you really need extra like layer of thickness on your skin yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to deal with that especially when she's the breakout and you're just the second banana of the team so to speak that's right well you know burns and allen it was the other way around in vaudeville right right was, yeah he was the stooge and she was the straight woman and then I don't know what happened. I don't know the story behind it, but backstage, she said, let's go out and try it in reverse. And it was huge. It was huge. This That's when they became famous. How was how Hazel? Oh, Hazel hasn't been very well. Her feet are killing her, so she's going to have glasses fitted. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go with, with my five. Yeah, so my number five pick is um, came out of the 60s. Uh, right around the civil rights era, and it was uh, Tim and Tom. 
it was um you know tim reed and tom Dreesen. i don't know tim and tom yeah it's uh tom Dreesen, uh when when you oh. first yeah and tim reed from wkrp in cincinnati i think tim reed was on that show yeah um, of course i know tim yeah so tim and tom were the first and only racially mixed comedy duo ever um there's never been one since them for whatever reason right and uh they were the first of their kind and um what was great about them is they did come out in the 60s during the civil rights era and they were able to connect audiences through their differences so you know they played off of it like you know um tom would be like the clueless white guy and you know not understanding that he was doing something offensive or hey what's up brother like he would talk like that to try to get on Tim's good side and Tim would be like what are you doing man you know and Tim was this more the straight man um so I I always appreciated that and, and um you know I got to interview Tom Driesen uh, a while back and it's one of the most things he's most proud of is that comedy team and, and what that meant in that time period hey baby oh look out here Leroy <laughs> do the bus stop here What do you think this is Amos and Andy? <laughs> I remember seeing them. I, I saw them quite a few times you know, on TV. I wonder if, I don't know where, whether it was on Carson or whatever, but they were, they were a team. Yeah, they Good toured around. They, I think they have, they might have an album out, but I know that, that either uh, Tom Treason did put a book out about it, about his experiences okay. with Tim and Tom. Yeah, so. As a matter of fact, when I, sometime today, I'm going to YouTube that. I want to see if they're on there. Oh, they're definitely yeah. on. Yeah, you'll, you'll see some good stuff. And uh, some of it is actually in today's temperature. It still holds up. Like, you know no. what I mean? And, it's, and, and there is a little bit of cringe in it just because of how, how much we did uh, like evolve since then. Yeah. So some of the things that that uh, Driesen says to Tim Reed, it's kind of like, oh God, it's a little really? cringe. Yeah, there's a little, there's a few cringy things in there. Tim and I were together as children. We played ball together, we fished together, we hunted together. We were great friends. And then when I was nine years old, my dad sold them. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay. But, but, but overall, I think for the time period, especially, it, it helped. Made to, sense. It made sense and it helped to kind of uh, find laughter through that pain of that era. Yeah. Wow. So, check me out now. Remember we brothers? We brothers. In the ghetto. In the ghetto. All right. Hey, what's happening, John? My main man. Say, look here, baby, this is where I catch Big Mac. I gotta ease up town, get me some new rags. You know, a couple fronts, pair of gators. Go check them traps. Do a little night crawling through the hood. <laughs> That's out of sight, man. I didn't know you spoke a foreign language. Yeah, so Tim That's a good one. All right, so moving on My to number... Turn? Yes, your turn, Rich. Okay, how about this comedy team? Very different. And you're not going to think of it as a comedy team. And let's go back to maybe the 40s. Uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Ah, great, great pick. I love it, yes. But yet that comedy team was one person, um, but the characters were so definitive that when they did radio, people actually thought it was two different people sitting in the studio, and he didn't even have the puppet. Right. <laughs> so Yeah, that's right, he started it in radio. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure now to introduce uh, a young man, uh, uh, what is your name, Sonny? Uh, Edgar Bergen. Oh, yes, of course, Edgar Bergen. Um, young man, he will now entertain you with, uh, uh, what are you going to do, Sonny? Ventriloquism. Oh, yes, he's going to ventriloquism. So that's, a, that's one that I always found interesting. And not only that, any ventriloquists are comedy teams, right? Even to this day, you have... Um, Jeff Dunham, right? You know, wow. Like, think, think about that. Because when you write, both parts. Right. I was going to say that. Yeah. When you when you write as a ventriloquist, you you're writing as a comedy team. You, you know. Right. And one is going to be the stooge, and one is the straight man. You know. Did you ever have the the honor of seeing um, Vince Dantona and George? Yes, I got to, uh, I seen them a few times live and they were on my radio show back then too. 
Yeah. Um, I think they will probably, especially on Long Island, the most loved, you know, comedy team. He was like the greatest guy in the whole world. I, I never heard him talk bad about anybody. Even if you try to get a conversation going bad about somebody, he's like, ah, he's a great guy. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like give me a little bit, Vince. You know, <laughs> comics like to bash yeah. other comics. <laughs> I'm getting a woody, asshole. You're not getting a woody. Back up, ladies. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no, Charlie McCarthy uh, and, you know, Edgar Bergen um, is was was a genius in, and uh, at the craft and also inspired so many yeah. along the way. But also, you know, looking at him as a comedy duo and, and the writing, you, you, I mean, it was right on point. It was right there with all the great comedy teams of its time. Now, gentlemen, gentlemen, now, please, every time you meet, why well, you start bickering. Now, why not, I ask you, why not bury the hatchet? All right, and I think I know where I'm going to bury it. <laughs> You're not too funny since Jerry left, are you? <laughs> He had uh, Charlie McCarthy and he had the other one, the, the goofy... Uh... Mortimer Snurd? Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, the original of the cartoons, like with the vulture. Bo, 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 yeah, bo. right. That right. was Edgar, uh, um, Mortimer Snurd. I want you to face your audience, and then I want you to smile. Let's try it now, just to be sure we have it right. <laughs> Good stuff. So that was number four. So my number four, right? It, I'm go, I'm going with uh, Cheech and Chong. Oh my God! <laughs> so the, Cheech and Chong. Think of them, and I've seen them live at Western Music Fair. I'll tell uh, you what they did. But go ahead, tell that's me. A, what what that's I love it. about uh, Cheech and Chong is that uh, they pushed the counterculture like to the forefront. And, yeah, uh, and they became they became household names by basically glorifying debauchery in a sense. They said they, they yeah. were sex, drugs, and rock and roll on the comedy stage. As far as I know, they were one of the first to really embrace that and do that and, and successfully. And, but making fun of it, making right. fun of the stoner and the... almost like Archie Bunker made fun of the that's the, right. the bigot. They were kind of right. like they were the joke personified. Talk, talk it out, man. Kind of grabs you by the boo-boo, don't it? And I think that also, like, their early stage shows kind of pushed um, and shocked audiences a little bit because they were talking about sex and drugs and all that stuff. Come on, light it up. Let's get Chinese eyes, man. <laughs> Looks like a toothpick, man. No, man, he's just roll real tight, man. You know, like, ain't a toothpick, man. It's no, it is a toothpick, man. No, man, it's just a roll real tight. You don't... It's a toothpick. Yeah. But I think the best takeaway from, from them, and there's so many great things about Cheech and Chong, and I love them from the records oh, to the God. movies to the oh stage. Oh, my God. But th that it was... our era. Yeah. How old were you, though? I was, like, 11 years old. I, I was mean... a kid, and I was, you know, sneaking around. To, like, I, I remember when Up and Smoke was on like Showtime and yeah. my dad was laughing watching it and me and my brother kind of snuck into like behind he could he didn't know we were up and we were kind of watching it through in yeah. the living room from a distance and uh didn't really get the jokes but we knew it was bad but what makes Cheech and Chong for me really incredible is how their characters intertwined so you got like this one stoner kind of dude and then you got the mexican guy and how it just they yeah. they meshed in in a way that nobody except for cheech and chong could do cheech and chong you, you know what i mean like no. nobody can ever <laughs> come close to that magic and to Remember me the big bamboo the album had that big uh roll of paper, paper yeah. it. <laughs> i have the record but i don't have i couldn't uh, you can get it on eBay. Some like they have yeah. them with the yeah. paper in it, but uh, the, the ones with the paper are more rare because everybody either used it or smoked it. <laughs> oh right, right, cut it up. <laughs> yeah, so you can't find it with the rolling paper. The best. I remember a scene. You remember the driving movie when they went to drive movie that the guys hidden in the trunk. 
yeah, yeah. And he pulled up, and the guy's like looking in the, in the, with the flashlight, and he goes, "Yeah, it's just me and him. Like we're together. I mean, we're not together. I mean, like we came together, but we're not together." <laughs> so, the personalities were so funny. Hey, man, open up. Who is it? It's Dave, man, open up. Dave? Dave, yeah. Dave's not here. <laughs> All right, so now we're, we're, we're into number three. Ranch, who's oh. your number three? Um, How can we not forget about, maybe on your list, the Smothers Brothers. Yes, the Smothers Brothers. But you have Dick Smothers, Tommy Smothers. Tommy Smothers, again, was the stooge. I don't know what you call the, the stooge or the you know the one. But again, he was not stupid. You know, he knew exactly what he was saying. It just came out stupid, I guess. My old man's a Negro. What do you think about that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? Hold on, hold on. Tommy, I'm afraid Don't you're incorrect. My old man's a Negro. He is not a Negro. You are a no fascist. No chance. I'm not a fascist. <laughs> then you know why? Because my old man is not a Negro. <laughs> no wonder Mom always liked you best. <laughs> nothing to do with it. I grew up watching them as well, um, and Dick being the straight man. Um, but the they were also politically very left. Isn't that what destroyed them? Or I don't know. Their show was definitely uh, kind of ahead of its time, uh, being political um, yeah. and, and definitely leaning left because it was during like the Vietnam era and, and the civil rights yeah, they era. They spoke out against the. Uh, uh, Vietnam War and stuff. Our, our government is asking us as citizens, yeah. citizens to refrain from traveling to foreign lands. Okay, all you guys in Vietnam, come on home. Right, before it was, before it was like popular, I guess the right way to say it, like, because their audience, because remember that they were buttoned up guys, suit and ties, they played right. nice music, they were wholesome. So when they started with this, uh, it, so th their audience was starting to become like the more of a right wing type of audience who That's were like, right. oh, I, I love these clean cut kids, you know? And then they flipped the script by going against the Vietnam War and they started to get, yeah. to get more and more radical guests on their show and they just started steering left. I can't hear you. What are you doing? I'm getting ready to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of led to a backlash of sorts, but it also led to, to a new audience that they opened up to where they they enjoyed these guys these straight laced guys with their humor <clears throat> you know it's funny like during as you know during the pandemic you know i I used to speak out a lot on my political views. And I would get the private messages from people like, dude, let's stay out of politics because it's not, you know, I was always funny stuff, you know, or tongue in cheek, a lot of it, you know. <laughs> but I found that I increased my audience. Like, it's like I found a base, which was weird. But what also is really funny, I found a right wing base that loves me. And I don't get it. I had a guy come to me New Year's Eve, right before the pandemic, that December, right before, uh, on New Year's Eve. And he even brought me T-shirts that he made, like T-shirts and stuff. And I'm like, like I'm, I'm not really getting, you know, did you see any of my posts? Like, And he always commented, like, nasty and stuff. But I don't know. It, he was a good guy, really good guy. But uh, yeah. I just thought that was really funny. So. I guess, you know, when you're a comedian and you're in a team or you have a platform, you know, especially if you have followers and, and they took full advantage, the Smothers Brothers, of what their power actually was. My old man's a cotton-picking, finger-licking chicken plucker. What do you think about that? I think you better not make a mistake. <laughs>
Yeah, and I always commend anybody for for standing up for what they believe in and going against the grain in, in a sense. If it's what you believe in, then I think you should always go, uh, you know, whether it's with, it's with the tide or against the tide. If it's what you fully believe in, then, then I always commend somebody for, for going all in. And I think that's what they did. But also when you talk about uh, the Smothers Brothers and we talk about straight men and egos, in their case, I think more of the ego had to be on uh, Tommy uh, Smothers for playing such a goofball. Like he played it so dumb, and yeah. and uh, Dick was the smart one. Where I yeah. think in that case, it's reversed. Where yeah, Tommy's getting the laughs, but Tommy's also viewed that as a moron. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got like. Like people, people don't take them seriously, and I think sometimes yeah. the ego can work against you on that side as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. But this wasn't just a fun job. There was dangers in this job as they built the railroads up the mountains and down the mountains and in the, across uh, the deserts and over, over raging rivers, and they had to span crevices, deep crevices in the ground, and in the and in the bottom of the crevices there was pumas. <laughs> Pumas with claws and foam coming out of these Pumas mouth and the, and the railroad men, they're going, Woo, look at those Pumas down there! I'm not gonna build any railroad! Across the crowd, there's Pumas in the crowd! There were no Pumas in the crevices because we don't have Pumas here. There are no Pumas in America. Well, maybe some came over to visit. So from for my three, um, again, uh, th there's so many great comedy teams. And, I never and... realized how many teams there were until I'm doing this show now. Yeah, they, they keep popping up. Yeah, exactly. They keep popping <laughs> up with me too. Like you know, um, uh, when I was doing this, when I was starting to research this, I was like, oh yeah, this guy, that those guys. But um, I, I want to mention these guys because they were uh, almost a different genre, uh, but but they were a great comedy team nonetheless. And it's Penn. I know who you're gonna say. Yeah, Penn and Teller. When you said different genre, go ahead. A <laughs> uh, Penn and Teller. <laughs> they are a great comedy team. And how do they do it when one guy doesn't talk? To me, that's I, the genius of it. Yeah. Um, did you ever see them live? I've never <laughs> seen them live, but like I said, they came, they, they started coming to fruition when I was a kid and yeah. I used to watch them all the time. And um, kind of like, like Cheech and Chong, it was, it was their stage chemistry that really sold, that really sells it. He has sworn that he will not breathe again until I find a card selected freely by a member of this audience. I will be able to do that in three minutes and 35 seconds or my partner Teller will die. You got one guy who's really big like immensely tall and another guy and was small. Boisterous, very. <clears throat> the other guy doesn't have to talk, you right? know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's like really, and it's all facial expression, but then if you look at um, Teller, there's not a lot of facial expression either. He just is this blank <laughs> stare, which is so funny. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. I if you ever have a chance in Vegas, go see their show. I don't know which hotel it is, but we went. And they exposed the trick, all the all the tricks. Like, um, you know the one with the box, like with the head, and then yeah. they put all the pieces together, and now the, the head is here, and the foot's up there, and the yeah. other fingers are always wiggling them up. <laughs> well, they did that, but they did it with glass, so you could see the trick being done. Wow. And like they pick up the box, they move the head, but you see Teller going underneath the stage, like across, like on a, a cart, like, like a mechanic would have, and like, <laughs> and then he like pokes his head up like this, and then they they close it. He goes down, he goes back like this. But wow. I don't think that that was actually the trick being exposed. I think that was their version to right. fool you into thinking that was how the trick was done. You know? Yeah. So much fun, and he talks. You know, he, like after, after the show, they said we'll be in the lobby and they talk to everybody. No ego. Either guy, no ego. And they talk. They thank you for coming to the show and and you hear Teller 
talk. You know? <laughs> it blows your mind when you hear him talk. Working working with Penn all these years, what I've discovered is, is there's something absolutely incredible that happens when you don't talk. You know, you, you become everything becomes very intimate because you're looking at them, they're looking at you, and that intimacy is really thrilling to me. They're always a step ahead, those guys. Uh, and I think that's the, the magician in them. Like you said, when they're showing the, you the trick, it's like, are they showing us the trick? Or, yes. or is this all an illusion within an illusion here? That's right. That's yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I always, I always like them. I, I think the, uh, whether it, their magic is kind of a style like, similar to like Amazing Jonathan. It's, it's dangerous. It's edgy. Um, yeah. It's, it's magic without the David Copperfield style of this That's and right. that. It's like a mixture of like street magic with theatrical magic. But it, it feels effortless the way they do it, and uh, and and then you know, to me they're they're kind of I don't know if they were the first of their ilk of this kind of, like I think they were before the Amazing Jonathan, but um, but to me they were they're trailblazers in so many ways and, and they they've broken so many boundaries yeah. of magic and comedy. They they mixed the two. So were they are they comedians or are they magicians? Um, but both, like it's 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 comedy within a magic show, which is always my favorite kind of magic. You know, we've all seen on the cruise ships the illusion shows and Siegfried and Roy, good example. Right, yeah, yeah um, good team. But we in one week saw Siegfried and Roy and Penn and Teller when we we're in Vegas, and it's it's almost hands down Penn and Teller. That was so much fun, you know, to see them. Yeah. Um, now go ahead, now go ahead. Now you gotta pick it up, pick it up. Let him see it. He's over here. Let him see it. Let him see it. Is that your card, sir? Queen of Hearts. No. Nah. <laughs> it really isn't. It really isn't. <laughs> now, at this point, you're going to remember your card when you find the... Oh, God! Jesus! It's time for number two. What do you got? Oh, my gosh. Uh, what about Ralph Cramden and Alice? Yes. Holy crap. You want to talk about standing the test of time. Yes. Their chemistry is off the hook. <laughs> Never worked for me with the other Alice's that came in later, you know, like on the um, the specials, you know, the color ones and out of Miami and stuff. Right, yeah. Um, there's something about um, Audrey Meadows being a straight man, but a funny straight man, like, her sarcasm was so funny. And then his facial expressions. How, how often does that magic happen on television? It doesn't. Very rare. And and um, like you said, their their chemistry, that whole cast, but the chemistry with with uh, Cramden and, and, um, and Alice, you know. You seem to have forgotten that I am a woman. I forgot that you're a woman? How could I? You're always yapping. <laughs> and Norton is another. Team. They had a yeah. Um, and, and you gotta give it up for, to Gleason for that because he was able to be, you know, the the guy for both of these outlets. And and with Norton, you got basically two goofy guys that are, are making it work. Bend the right arm. Lower the right shoulder. Now you got it. I'll follow through and you can't miss. Swing! And, and, you know, because he could flip-flop, um, you know, Cramden. He could be the straight man when he's dealing with Norton to some degree, and then he could also be the funny man when he's dealing with Alice. So he's this... Well, he was actually the straight man with Norton. And I had heard rumors that Ralph... Ralph... Um, Jackie Gleason was extremely jealous of Art Carney. Everybody wanted to meet Art Carney. And there's an episode of one of the lost episodes where they, Ralph wants to get, Ralph wants to get Jackie Gleason for the lodge to do a show. Did you ever see this one? No. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's the lobby of a hotel. So, Norton, so what happens is he gets on the elevator, Ralph, 
to go look for Jackie Gleason. But it comes down as Jackie Gleason, like very pompous, like with the, the suit, old yeah. And Norton's like, it's you, you're Jackie Gleason. He goes, why, yes, I am. And do we know each other? And it was like, <laughs> they, but, but then they reversed it where Norton goes, you're up, and he comes down as Art Carney. And, and uh, Jackie Gleason's like, not Jackie, Ralph is going, you're Carney, you're the guy for the show. And he goes, and he goes, uh, he goes, but you know, you're funny, but I don't think you're as funny as the other guy. And now <laughs> we're talking about how unfunny the other ones are. It was so funny. And then like, like when Norton says to, he goes, if you ask me, that other guy's the whole show. And they're really digging into each other. That was one of the funniest episodes. That's but, awesome. I got to check that out too, man. Yeah. Talk about great team. That's a great team. Great team. Great writers. I got one thing that he hasn't got. I got it here. <laughs> you got it here. And you got it here. And you got it here. That's okay, awesome. Your turn. I'm going to go for number number two. I'm going to say um, your boys, uh, Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello, to me, are the most famous and iconic of all the other comedy teams. Um, their chemistry is bar none. Um, and, and they both knew their roles. Straight man, funny man. And they played off each other so great. It was back in the slapstick era where, where uh, you know, Abbott could just slap Exactly. <laughs> you know, step yeah. out of it, you know. Just like Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't care. Okay. I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. You know what else? Like, you know, they're the claim to fame is who's on first and that really catapulted them. But they have other bits. I don't know if you ever saw, Eric and I want to learn it, um, Jonah and the Whale. Did you ever see this bit? I, I may have. Well, let me tell you, Jeff Bosey sent it to me. It is so funny. It's, um, Costello comes out and goes, I'm going to tell a joke and you don't have to do nothing. You just stand there. I'm going to tell the joke. I wrote this joke. It's a great joke. I think it's funny. They're gonna love it. And he goes, All right, Lou, tell the story, Lou. And he's like, um, okay. So you got Jonah, and there's a guy, and he's got this big whale. What kind of whale? And it doesn't matter what kind of whale, it's a big whale. <laughs> I told you you don't say nothing, you just stay there. Now this whale was in the ocean. What ocean? This so uh, what ocean? I think the folks would like to know where this took place, don't you think? Go ahead, pick out ocean, what I care. That's immaterial to me. All right, immaterial ocean. Oh, what kind of ocean? Now, the whale was in the immaterial ocean. It was minus one for this, but it's following a ship. What ship? This ship. What ship? It was just it's so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. And the punchline is, I'm not going to tell you where it goes, but write it down. Go, Jonah and the whale. It's on YouTube. Jonah. And, and the punchline is great. And <laughs> uh, Lou. You're not coming out here in front of this intelligent audience. Millions and millions of people listening and watching. You're not coming out and trying to get away with that old wheeze, that old pun about the time they, they caught the whale and they cut him open and there they found Jonah seated on that stool selling those apples three for a nickel, are you? That's not the story you intended to come out here and open up the show with. And it's, the punchline is silent. It's all in the face of what happens. Just uh, it's really good. I don't know how that one didn't make him famous because it's that funny, you yeah. know. But they also have it. Was the other one seven times twelve is thirty-two or something? Yeah, the math one, the crazy one. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So at least they, you know, what it is. They just didn't rely on one bit. They made great, great bits, you know. Seven out of twenty-one. Three times. Three times. And their personas, they were able to carry that through onto TV and movies. And some of their movies are like legendary. 
yeah. any Abbott and Costello film, like growing up, we only had the three channels, you know, four channels. And yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, Channel 11 or whatever had uh, every Saturday or something of uh, yeah. Abbott Costello movies. And those are some of the greats, man. Oh, yeah. The best. And they reigned from 1950 to 1960, number one on radio television and motion pictures wow now that's quite a feat they were knocked out in the 60s by another comedy team and who knocked them off of the platform in the 60s comedy team uh i don't know who we mentioned them earlier one of the greatest comedy teams in the 60s overran that's a good trivia for people at home Ab and Costello bumped them out of the number one spot. Was it? Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Martin, Martin and Lewis. Martin and Lewis, another great comedy team. We'll be just like brothers, you and I. I'll go east. I'll go west. And I'll love you till I die. Oh. And I heard that they broke up because of Jerry Lewis, who was a perfectionist. Like everything had to be perfect. And that's not how Dean worked. Dean worked off the cuff, you know? He didn't mind rehearsing, but it didn't, it was, Jerry was too strict. I can see know? that too, because, yeah, Jerry, his serious side yeah. is, is the complete opposite of his stage yeah. persona. Did you ever see Martin Short do Jerry Lewis? But he does all the versions, like lighting is the very serious Jerry. I can't do it. But then he lights the lighter and he flies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Adam Costello did have a resurgence too. I think, like in the in, maybe in the seventies and eighties, and they they had the cartoon. Hey, I bet. And and like they oh, resurged. Yeah. yeah, they resurged it. Yes. So like, you know, the, the, the stuff is timeless. Cause like you said, the Jonah and the whale bit, which I'm going to watch later, the who's on first, these still stand the test of time. They, they've been around since like the fifties or forties and fifties. Yeah. And they're still funny today. And comedy doesn't have a long shelf life normally. So for these guys to have these, ske these sketches, th 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 these things that still today are quoted, known and hilarious. That's a testament to them as well. I want to ask you just one thing. What? What makes a bloom go up? Hot air. What's holding you down? <laughs> I pulled a joke. Oh, yes. All right, doing? so now it's the number one. So, yeah. so now it's- Number it's, one, perfect time. So so for me, the, the number one comedy duo for me of all time is Laurel and Hardy. Okay, that was mine. Okay, cool. So we um, could we could both have the talk same. About this. Yes. Um, I I remember as a child watching my mother watch Lauren Hardy in the French Foreign Legion, and with like the drill sergeant going down the line and Laurel, it's just you know, and I remember <laughs> watching her laugh with tears streaming down her face <laughs> with what a victim really what a victim the drill sergeant is, you know? <laughs> There's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, but you want to talk about a team that played off each other. And from what I hear, till the day they died, they were best friends. And the only story, and then we'll go to yours. But they said that when Hardy, Oliver Hardy was on his deathbed. Laurel sat with him every day and every hour. And their own kids, I think it was Stan Laurel's daughter was saying, they never talked to each other. They understood each other from the years and years of silent movies and uh, their characters. They just knew who, they, they didn't have to talk to each other. He would bring him his meal or whatever. Isn't that like something? It's like, that's awesome. Give me the goosebump test. Just pass yeah. the goosebump test. Yeah. So, to me, um, Lowell and Hardy are the template for every comedy team that came after them. 
I feel like every, like they set the standard, like every comedy duo ever that came after Lauren Hardy were an evolution of them. Whether it's Abbott Costello, <laughs> Martin yeah. Lewis, uh, you know, Fred and Barney, uh, whoever, uh, Burns and Allen, they, they all derive from Laurel and Hardy. Agreed. Um, and, you know, I, I think that when you they were before Ab and Costello. Like, yeah, yeah, they they came out in like maybe I don't know the years, uh, the twenties and yeah, thirties. And I mean, you can still see film. the grainy movies that you know on YouTube and stuff. The piano and yeah. uh, well, silent movies. That's how far back. Yeah, so they were like twenties and thirties, and Ab and Costello was like forties. So yeah, so the, so they definitely were way before and. To, to me, when, when you, even today, you'll see Lauren Hardy-esque sketches, whether it's in a sitcom or it's in, a, <laughs> you know, in a, a, other other movies, uh, the characteristics are always there. You know, what a fine mess you've gotten us into this time, you know? Yeah. That yeah. whole vibe is, is, is there forever. And uh, to me, they set the standard. They're the goats, the greatest of all time. And... Um, from their movies to everything I, I, I and again it all comes down to how what they look like like you look at like we talked about Penn and Teller how they're opposites you got the big giant guy little guy one talks one doesn't talk yeah. with Laurel and Hardy you got this this kind of fat guy and you got fat and skinny yeah and it's this whole thing and it's and Abbott Costello kind of had that and you know Martin and Lewis kind of had that the opposites one was a good looking crooner the other was this wacky you know right. clumsy dude um, and so, you know what else? But Stan Laurel wasn't a talker either. It was always Oliver Hardy did all the talking. Right, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Um, and such fa famous sketches. The piano going down the staircase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, let's now, we have our list. Now we, yeah. have to, now we have to narrow it down to a final top five that we both agree on, okay? Okay. So here's who we have so far. Here's, well, here's our guys. So we have Sonny Good. and Cher. Yeah. We have Tim and Tom. Yeah. We have Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Uh, Cheech and Chong. The Smothers Brothers. Penn and Teller. Abbott and Costello. Cramden and Alice and laurel and hardy so we both agree on laurel and hardy and we i think we both agree that they're number one okay i'm gonna go with that so we're gonna put laurel and hardy up at the number one spot so now who who do you think else out of this think, list um, i uh, my vote is number two because it's a it's a close run with number one it has to be abbott costello <clears throat> just based on popularity and history I agree because I think that most people, um, if you ask anybody, like just a, who's not a comedy fan, and you ask yeah. them right away, who's your favorite comedy team of all time? They're gonna say Abbott. Their Stone. name's coming up. Right. It's always yeah. probably number one. Most people uh, identify mm -hmm. Abbott Costello before Laurel. And yeah. <clears throat> all right. Cool. So Abbott Costello, I agree with that. At number two. Okay. Number three. I'm I'm thinking number three. Uh, our list right now, Cheech and Chong. Okay. Could be on there, potentially. Nice. Excellent. The reason why, that's our generation. Um, they broke a lot of ground, and they were hysterical. So now, okay, so now we have left um, the Smothers Brothers, Penn and Teller, uh, Tim and Tom, Sonny and Cher, and Edgar Bergen, uh, and... Charlie McCarthy. You forgot one other. Uh, oh, Cramden and Alice. Well, they're there too. Martin and Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, so I'll, I'll throw Martin Lewis on there. I don't know if we ever officially added them to the list. Yeah, Martin and Lewis were amazing 
and uh, we, we could make an exception and, and put them in if you think that they deserve over the others. Because um, I'll put, you know, Martin and Lewis, they were on my short list for sure. Oh, okay. um, in my original, my original, original top five, they're on there. Um, okay. So, so we, we could say, we could definitely talk about uh, put Martin and Lewis in, into this because okay. um, they're definitely... Um, deserve it they're one of the great, greatest comedy teams by far um all right so and then for number five i, I i'm i'm thinking see it's it's tough because there's so many uh great ones yeah but i do like the pen and teller but uh, yeah i i think that there's a, we've mentioned a lot of these guys uh how they broke ground like Tim and Tom and, and Sonny and Cher, yeah. husband and wife, and then Tim and Tom being black and white. But I think Penn and Teller, because of uh, not only just the magic, but their their comedy um, chemistry too, and and all that. Okay, but now this list is the greatest of all time. Right. They may come up on only you and and my list. Right. Yeah. Because it. You're not thinking comedy team. You're thinking magicians with great patter or banter, whatever you call it. So I'm not sure about that one. I agree. Uh, my choice would have been Rodeo Ricky and Montana. Montana. No. <laughs> um, but I could go with that. I could go with that because I you can't deny the talent. And it's well, original. Yeah, it's it's original. It's there, but like you said too, like, are they comedy? Comedy, like, so uh, this list. So then uh, we got um, number. So you're going five to one, right? Number one. Yeah. So no, right now we got number one is Laurel and Hardy. Two Abbott and Costello. Three Cheech and Chong. Four would be uh, Martin and Lewis. So five. You know, I, I'm thinking. Um, you know, we, we you mentioned... know what's hysterical about that list? Even Cheech and Chong will be going, we're on that list? <laughs> like, so funny. But they were great. They were so great. Um, I, I also think that uh, that you can make a case for, for Tim and Tom. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't stand the test of time. They were short-lived, but they did yeah. matter. Uh, and then the Smothers Brothers, I think, would probably be the best case for for the ones we mentioned, um, the Smothers Brothers would probably be the strongest yeah. num number. I five. was never a huge fan of their, theirs, and I guess as a kid, it's because I didn't really understand them a lot. I just knew one was dopey and one was, you know, right. clever. But their material was didn't really apply to me as a kid. So right. I don't. They're not on my list, but they, if you like them, we can put them there. Um, I think um, who else? We, so we had uh, Edgar. Well, Edgar can't Bergen. be stumped at number five. I mean, how would I know. we went through all these great names? What if we put Penn and Teller at number five and move up the list? What do you have, Penn and Teller? Are they on the list? I, I took them off and I put in the Smothers. Oh, but, that's right. But well, so famous-wise, nobody's going to think of Penn and Teller. Right. But we're analyzing. Yeah, I think the Smothers Brothers could like if if you look at this list. So if, if number, let's just say it's this is the list. You got Smothers Brothers at five, at four you got Martin and Lewis, which I think Martin and Lewis should go up. I think Martin and Lewis should go to three. Cheech and okay. Chong go. Cheech and Chong go to four. So we got the Smothers Brothers at five. Cheech and Chong at four. Uh, Martin and Lewis at three. Abbott and Costello at two, and the number one comedy duo of all time. Laurel and Hardy. Perfect. That's a solid list. We made, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We got a great list, my friend. Now <laughs> what do we do with it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can tell the world. Yeah, we can tell the world. Process yeah. of elimination. Yeah, um, that's great. That's a great way to end it. What do we do with it? That's awesome. 
Uh, you, you rock, Rich. I I, I appreciate Thank you so you. much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a blast, man. Uh, tell everybody where they could find you and follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can always go on my Facebook page. I have a website, but I never update it. But if you go on my Facebook page, Rich Walker, and if you have trouble finding me, you can just put Suffolk County. But I always put flyers of all the shows I'm going to be on. I also, if I can mention, I teach stand-up university, a comedy class at a brokerage in uh, Belmore. If anybody's interested in becoming a comedian. Also, if you want to be a team, we will help you and your other comedian friend um, become a team. We've written a couple of acts like that. So um, I got one more thing to say. If you go on TikTok, go to the Monty and Walker show. We only have about 10 clips up, but they're little funny quips. Or also you can go to Monty and Walker Productions and see the full versions with the outtakes and all that stuff and click on the YouTube link there. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks again, my friend. Rich right, Walker, guys. everybody. Well, there you have it, folks, the top five comedy duos. According to me and Rich Walker, let us know what you think in the comments below and leave us your top five as well. Love to hear it. Well, take care, everybody, and we'll see you again next week for another Top 5.